Hi, everybody. Welcome back on into Buff Nagel, the podcast. I'm Zach. I'm joined this week, as always, by Rafe. Rafe, how are you doing? Zach, I am, I am wonderful. It is um, it's a great Sunday evening. I, I just got back driving um, from Indianapolis to down to Nashville. And the roads were clear and the sun was shining and there was, there was football on the radio, which made the five hours go by heartbeat. So it was, uh, it was a great, it was a great draft. All right. Good to hear. We got a pretty big um, show today. We, we get a lot of readers, reader questions. And today's show is kind of based off of one of those reader questions. So if you ever have a question you want us to answer, we'll try to get to it at the end of the show. If we deem in a production or a pre-production meeting that that question is worth a bigger chunk of time and a bigger chunk for us to dedicate to, we might do something like this um, and be able to, you know, kind of talk about that question more in depth. As always, uh, you can find us on Twitter, Buffnagel, or you can email myself at legal at buffnagel.com or us holistically at buffnagel at buffnagel.com. Um, so Rafe, um, this question was mainly directed at you. A couple weeks ago, we were kind of talking about sports, what it means to be a lifelong sports fan. Uh, you grew up watching and playing sports. You grew up, well, you didn't grow up. You watched your kids grow up while coaching them in a bunch of youth That's sports. Right. Um, so kind of this question was mainly directed at you about the idea of what it means to be a sports fan or what, what, what makes sports important in life. Um, so yeah, yeah. yeah that's exactly. Take it away. Yeah, I, I was chatting with with one of our listeners who is um, who's most notably not not a sports fan, which is um, for those of us who who sports is. I don't want to say it's a big part of my life, but I realized when the when the lockdowns came down with this this virus thing that um, I missed having those things in my life. Um, I, I missed checking the standings to see how the local teams were doing. Missed seeing highlight plays here and there, watching, watching exceptionalism. Um, and and I missed. I, I will say this: um, my my college alma mater um, was was in the running to uh, take actually its first legitimate chance at a national title in in fifty some years. So. So your college alma mater would have faced the guy off against my college alma mater yeah. and lost, and then I would have no, even more bragging rights against you. That that is certainly possible. Your college alma mater has had more success of late than my college alma mater, and um, but my it, what's interesting, and this is kind of ties into this sports fandomness, is is how I know these things. When I went to college in the eighties in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, the Dayton Flyers were in the process of moving from a college basketball independent uh, to joining a conference. And I was fortunate to be, um, I, I don't know if it's selected or nominated and then approved. I don't remember exactly how it came about, but I was one of two students that sat on what was called the Athletic Advisory Board, which was a group of, well, it was two students and then a bunch of important people in the city of Dayton, Ohio. Who helped decide the direction of the athletic program, and um, it was it was one. I, I was in the room when um, the vote was taken for Dayton to to leave its independent status and join a basketball conference, and that was a big thing because when I was a freshman in college, uh, the basketball team made it to the uh, the regional finals, 
and lost to Georgetown, the eventual champion in 1984. And so that's where your hate of Georgetown comes from? Or is that? Well, it's not really a hate. You know, as we get older, hatred of, of uh, athletic opponents tends to wane. And it's, it's just one of nope. these, um, you know, they had, they had Patrick Ewing, who was like phenomenal. And we didn't have one of those. We had, we had a Roosevelt Chapman. And we had some other guys um, that I know the names and, and other people probably don't, but um, we had Dan Christie and we had Larry Schellenberger and we had Ed Young and we had, we had uh, um, the current coach Dayton. We had, um, uh, who was the coach of Dayton, Zach? The Anthony Dayton Grant. Coach. Anthony Grant back in those days. So anyway, I started doing that and, and the, the university's, athletic program was uh, was funded for, for essentially a decade because of the run that the team made during um, during that during that that season because there was no money that needed to be split with the conference so seeing what happened behind the scenes was was exciting for me um, as just a, as a, just a young kid from a farm town in Wisconsin but I, I grew up, as Zach said, kind of a sports fan, which is which is rather ironic because as a youth and in high school and in college, I was I was I'm just not very good. You were the, you were, there were the athletic kids, and then there were the people who pretended to be athletic kids, and then there were some other people, and then there was you. Yeah, that's pretty much it. So okay, look, here's, here's an example, Zach. There was a JV football game one time. Okay, JV football game. We used to play the varsity would play on Friday night, and the following Monday the JV teams would play at, at the other location, right? And there was a JV game on a Monday where everyone played except me, right? So, I mean, so these are games that have no, they do not so matter. So you pass that straight down on to any of your kids, yes or no? My kids have have exceeded my athletic, exceeded my athletic capability in about fourth grade, right? So, <laughs> but but I grew up in the time. Okay, so my my grandmother and Vince Lombardi, both died of colon cancer within a year of each other. So those were things, that, and I was like five at the time. So this, the Lombardi Packers sat on top of my psyche in Wisconsin. And that, that is, that was, that was part of the culture and everything's everything centered around football. Um, my father was team physician for the local high school. So we went to a lot of games and as a, as a, small boy i hung out with him on the sidelines of the high school football field and and lived in awe of these 17 and 18 year old um heroes of the gridiron lore in Hartford, Wisconsin. <laughs> this was it was incredible these were your heroes well they were my heroes and and i saw it to, to me that it was this installation of 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 of, of like establishing manhood in in a, in a culture that you know, quite frankly, we didn't have to go to war. Right? We didn't have to do that. So the closest thing that replicated that for me was seeing these guys excel on the gridiron. We had very good teams. Our high school coaches went were, were legendary. These this was this was a very good high school program. It wasn't like one of these like like Damatha is with basketball. This was a this was a, a very strong high school football program with great coaches. And and I saw football as a way to build men. 
right? And that was instilled in everything I read and everything I saw. So this whole idea of, of what it means, what football means is, is, is how you build men. And I, and there, there's three things that I want to say that, um, yeah, that, that show me that became life lessons for this. Okay. And, and, and these are, these are the three things I want to Are these the things you saw as, um, on the sidelines or was this kind of a, a realization that you're now 50 years old and you can look back on all of these experiences you've had? Or it, yeah, uh, well, it, it's more the second thing, Zach. Okay. It, it, these are things that looking back and trying to put together to answer this question that came from me, why, why do you follow sports? And the first one, the first lesson is probably the most important one. And that lesson is sports teaches you that no matter how high you get, you can always fall down. And, and no matter how low it gets, you can always get back up. I, and that is that is a really important lesson for that was important lesson for me going through graduate school. Um, it was important lesson to teach my children right as they were yep. going through school and experiencing triumphs and failures. And that was the thing that that I guess I learned that early on, but I really saw it when my kids were playing high school sports. Um, you you kind of mentioned this uh, failures and successes in school um, as your middle child who's. Um, well, the self-proclaimed king of failure. Um, for me, that that lesson of where you can fall and rise back up to it. It for me, sports was a very safe environment for me to experience those left life life lesson things, those um, abilities to what hard work gets you, or what hard work doesn't get you. Um, how you kind of fit into an environment. There's those team dynamics that come up. I know you can talk about this as well, but these ideas of where does failure fit into society as a whole? Because if you look at society as a whole, we don't ever really talk about failures or what you learn from them. And personally, I struggled a lot, you know, playing sports or in school or whatever it may you have been. You struggle like I did, dude. You had a lot more success than I did. But but you're right. You had some. You did have some failures and some tripping and yeah. falling. Like uh, I mean, you can look at like my early rugby career in high school, what it was, and then what I turned it into, um, or even after my shoulder injury, where I was at as a player or not at as a player to be more specific and kind of where I've taken that to be where I'm at today. So, um, uh, yes. Well, I, w I wanted to mention, cause I, I know I'll get this, this feedback from some folks is that sports isn't the only place you can learn some of these. Oh, things, right? I agree. I mean, but you learned one of those lessons playing the trump. Yep. Right. Right. You know, so you, you learned some of that, like, Wow, if you if you really work, you can get better, and, yeah. and that's one of those things. But it, it's so easy to see that lesson in sports, but it's oftentimes clouded or maybe just occluded with the um, with seeing other people out there that are a lot better. I mean, that was the thing for me. There were always so many people that were just orders of magnitude better than I was, even when I got to be as good as I ever was, which was like playing tennis in high school. So you just like walk onto the court one day and there was a guy that you couldn't even hit the ball when he hit. And this was like in high school. You're just so much better than you are. And so one thing that, that you know, I, I love to see excellence, no matter what it is. It's an, either writing computer code or watching a great actor or listening to a uh, some sort of performer or, or, or on, the, on the athletic field. It's how good, incredibly 
good these um, these athletes are. Like you have this you have this regular people, okay, and then you have high school athletes who are good. And then there's that little sliver that makes it onto college. And of the college guys, the sliver makes it to the pros. And of those guys, the sliver makes the you know makes the Hall of Fame. Those guys are really really good. Yeah. And it is stunning to me what the difference yeah. is in that how much better they are. And it's you know, I've seen that in my business career. Sometimes you run into somebody and you're like, holy cow! I, I, I thought I was doing all right, and now I'm like, <laughs> I um, they are just they are off the charts in in the other hobbies that we have, Lego building, and in the woodworking that I do. You see, like suddenly you're just in awe of these people. But that doesn't mean it doesn't mean you should stop. Right? There's always something for you, and whether you're playing. Know, whether you're playing cornhole in the backyard or whether you're shooting hoops with your kids, um, that's it's all it's all good, and then it works. That works the whole way. So that's the big. That's the first one. Is is no matter how high you get, you can always come back down, and no matter how low you get, you can always get back up. I, you kind of mentioned this with like work and um, kind of where you where you fit in, but um, this kind of this thing I talked with a friend about. Um, during quarantine a lot about this idea of knowing your role and the what you your job and kind of what you bring to the table i think sports do a really good job of providing that opportunity and that um providing that opportunity in that situation for you to be like okay my job on this team is i do x or i do y and then you can kind of use those skills package them in a different situation be like when you have a job interview you can be like hey look i've been the guy before on a team because i needed that and i've also at the same time when i needed to like have a lesser role or more of a support role i can do that and it's and it's these skills that you know this type of type of stuff exists in band as well but i think in sports it's almost magnitude because there's this lens and this focus on it that um isn't necessarily always there and and I have to say, my I mean, I'll go back to this over and over and over again because football is. I mean, I mean you, you love rugby and I love rugby too, but I, I have this special place for football because it is so unique in its segmentation of the job. Right? I mean, you have you have guys out, that are out there that play football that can play football for fifteen years in the NFL and never touch the ball, never, never yep. touch the ball. In fact, my they may never. Patrick, what was that my buddy Lucas Patrick? <laughs> Lucas Patrick. So, just for those of you who don't know, um, one of our co-hosts here uh, played rugby against Lucas Patrick in high school, and is credited with what two two tackles? Two. Mr. I got two twice. <laughs> and then he is now an NFL. Is he a center? He is a starting left guard for the Green Bay Packers. Starting left guard. All right. So that's that's where Lucas Patrick is. So, but but Lucas Patrick will play his whole career, and he'll likely never do anything other than stopping people from trying to do what they're trying to do. Right? So he's a pulling guard or he's a blocking guard or a pass guard, you know, whatever he is. And that's what he'll do. Football has this incredible sense of, of sacrifice of self for the team. Sacrifice of self for the team. I mean, you, you look at linemen, they're like, you know, for me, this is this idea that, that follow me. I will make a place for you to run. That's my job is to get out there. I sec- you know, so. I'm big into team love, right? You, you know that. And, and love is willing the good of the other. I think that when when one player scores, the team scores. And if you have that attitude, that's where team love comes from. And it may be the guy who who simply comes in and uh, 
takes a takes a couple reps at running back while the star gets a gets a breather before halftime. Um, that can be really valuable, and I, I've seen that and witnessed the the value of that in, in youth sports. So that is a, you got to love the team, and if not, then you ought to go play golf or tennis. And um, those aren't bad, but they don't teach the team concept quite like yeah. um, like those big team sports like like football does. So that that's the first one that I saw the lesson that I have. Okay. Do you want to hear the second one? Uh, I, let's let's go for it. All right, here's the second one. The second one is that I I see like somebody asked me one time because I after my kids while my kids were in high school and after they were in high school I I filmed I filmed the games for the local high school so I got to stand on top of the press box with a video camera and I filmed right before the center when the center put his hand on the ball I started the camera and then when the play was blown dead I stopped the camera and I did that for every play for six or seven <laughs> years. Was that yeah? It was it was quite a while. I, I had it was at least five. I'm not sure how many years after I graduated you oh, did it for. I, I know I went at least at least a year, maybe two after you did. Um, and I saw a lot of plays. And it, it, what really I, I loved being on top of the press box for these Friday night games. Um, you know the bands doing the little the the outdoor marching band kind of stuff. The teams are there lining up and the cheerleaders bouncing all around. The parents come in and then and then it starts right. Teams march out to the line. They they do the Star Spangled Banner. The officials talk to the captains and they lay it out. And it teaches all. It for me, it teaches America. All right, and and I'm kind of a patriotic guy, and this is where it comes from for me. Right, you go out and you salute the flag because what you're doing is you're recognizing there's something out there that even though you guys are opponents, something out there that binds you together. Right? Your opponents on the field tonight, but you know what? There's a bigger thing that you're on the same team. That's the first thing. Second thing is this recognition of the rule of law. You come to the center and you say, you know what, the guys in the stripes, they are in charge. Right? They make the call. That's 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 rule of law. That's what you do. And then oh, you Okay, the guys in the stripes do have, you know, they are the rule of law, but I have watched enough uh, professional sports in my day. So I'm specifically calling out soccer players at this. Anytime there is a bad call. This is why this is actually why I hate soccer. You can talk all the other things you dislike about soccer, but in soccer, if the ref makes a bad call, you have three to four players on any given team running at that man and yelling at him. In rugby, if that would happen, one, all four of those guys would get a red card. One. Two, that wouldn't happen because you're going up to the ref. I have done this many times as a captain, and you're having a conversation like we're having a conversation now. And at the end of the day, regardless of what the ref's call is, you say, yes, sir, and then you walk away. See, and that's that's a cultural thing, right? And and that's why I, I have to say I am I am not a soccer fan either. And this this uh, I'm sorry if we just lost half our audience. <laughs> All three of them. Which so, half? Um, the left or the right? Yeah. So, but I don't. Um, I'm not a soccer fan, and for a number of reasons, and that is one of them is that culture. I I heard it's one of my uh, uh, heard a quote that one guy said that if the if the soccer World Cup were being played in his front yard, he would he would draw the curtains. And uh, and call the police. So I kind of feel the same way about soccer. And it's and it's not that it's, it's. I don't have a disdain for soccer players, or from the countries they come from. I just think the game is beneath the athletes. To me, it looks like the kind of game that a bunch of fourth graders would think of. You know, I, I'm surprised there's not a rule that you have to yell "spud" or something like that when you throw the ball in. Well, it just well, it, it, 
the thing about soccer, I'm, we're really going off the tangent sure. here today, um, is soccer has created at least four different games that are more adored than soccer is itself. The problem is people don't know those games exist. Rugby well, was invented because in the 1800s, they got bored of playing soccer, so they decided to pick up the ball and run with it. Rugby right, right, right. led us American football. Uh, we got Aussie rules football in Australia, which is fantastic. If you've never watched it, Google it, YouTube it. Um, I, I don't actually try to understand what's going on until after you've seen it played a little bit and then try to figure out what's going on. It makes it significantly more fun. Um, and then also along, uh, there's another one that spawned. Well, basketball actually came from soccer, right? Yep. Naismith was trying to come up with a thing to do during the winter. And he was like, here, try to kick the ball into the basket. And like, well, that doesn't work. Right? And, and then the idea of like, the idea of dribbling comes from these guys standing, like you couldn't move if you had the ball. So one guy was like, look, I'm not holding the ball. I'm dribbling. Uh-huh. Right? So that's where dribbling comes from. So soccer has spawned these other sports that are infinitely better than them because they're more interesting, right? Now, I know the world loves soccer, and you know what? If you want to watch soccer, you watch soccer. I'll more power to you. But it don't let's let's not pretend that it is the grand and glorious game that some of these other things are. All right, so back to the right. So first thing, no matter how high you get, you can always come back down. No matter how low you get, you can always get back up. Second thing is I see I see at least high school football as this microcosm of America. Okay. And then the last thing is, as I'm sure you've heard this and you would, you would adjust this a little bit. Someone told me one time that you can, um, you can find out everything you need to know about somebody playing around the golf with them. Now this is kind of a, this is kind of a guy thing. Okay. So, and this is like for a job interview, golf is a great time to go. All right. You're out on the course. You find out if this guy cheats, you find out if he plays honest, you find out if he's courteous. Does he follow the rules? Does he follow customs? Is he does he respect other players that are out there? Um, you learn a lot about how how does how does this guy deal with adversity? Does he deal with bad luck or good luck? Um, how does he deal with people who are maybe better than he is or worse than he is? So you learn a lot about that, and I'm sure you could do a similar thing with with playing tennis with somebody or playing on on a team with somebody. Zach, you've played on teams yeah. with people that you I mean, know. I've seen. Um, I, as a captain on multiple different teams, when you have a new player who messes up and then it's you, the ref and the new player, and you're having that conversation of like, Hey, Joe, this is what you did wrong. And Joe's just like, I don't know these words you're saying, or, or if he gets angry or if he's just like, Oh, we have to do this. Or if you're playing a team that makes an illegal amount of substitutions, like you learn about these, these little nuances in people that, um, you know, you get to figure them out a little bit more. I know in, in college, my freshman year, um, one of my best friends, Daniel Blado, he had no idea what he was doing. And like, I worked with him for four years by, by the time we were seniors, if anyone had a question about how the game went, it was us. We knew, knew the rule book inside and out and we wanted to work and help people. And like, that's the type of environment I think you get in a team sport that you might not necessarily get in golf, but in golf, you do get to learn those things about, you know, how is this person going to play? Um, what are they going to do? How are they going to, you know, clean up when there's a mess? And a lot of those things exist in sports. Things, I think that the great thing about individual sports like tennis, um, golf, I'm going to say baseball to a degree, but that's an unrelated point that we don't need to get to today, um, about how they deal with um, when they're the ones that put them in their own situation. 
So I think it's, you know, like, hey, I hit the ball over there. I have to deal with this consequence now. How do I step up to the plate and do it? Um, that's a life thing. That's a job thing. That's going to go with people wherever they end up. And I think it's it's a skill. It was. It, it's been like sports. It, just just to final. I know we're getting we're getting short on time. We got about three minutes. Is that right? I think so. I, you know, there's just um, if you want to read a great sports book, um, David. Mer Maranis, I think is how you pronounce it. He wrote a book called When Pride Still Mattered. It's a biography of, of Vince Lombardi. And Vince Lombardi is important to me, as, I, as I've mentioned, because of why it is. But it's, it's a great American story. The Vince Lombardi story is a great American story. How he came up out of New York. He went to Fordham. He, um, he suffered through a lot of indignation. He was, uh, he was as being a very dark Italian in the the 40s and 50s he he had his share of prejudice and he overcame that and uh so that's so when pride still matters is a great book and it's a it's a discussion of a great man who also had his flaws but um and it, it's a uh, if you grew up anywhere near wisconsin anytime between 1959 and 1970 it's um, it's it's relevant to you all right i think that's that's a good way to end today's question. We do thank our readers for coming in with good questions like that, that get um, us thinking, brainstorming more than just a two minute response. We, we were very excited to do this today. Um, so thank you for sending those questions. Um, like I mentioned earlier, if you have any questions, send them out to us. We'll be happy to respond. We'll try to get to all of them. If it's a good enough question, maybe we'll do a whole little segment on it. Um, but Ray, if you mentioned a book, um, the audience, if you do not know this, uh, I barely know how to read. I just learned how to read about three years ago. I'm everyone's favorite illiterate lawyer. Um, that said, I've started reading a couple books. I have a good suggestion one based on kind of today's political climate, um, the world today, and kind of understanding how technology is influencing um, the world that we live in. It's called 24, 21 Lessons for the 21st Century. Um, it's a kind of a good look at all this order. Um, I know that one. Yuval Noah Har Harari. Oh, all right. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, it's, you know, it's chapters pretty short. It's a fun read. Um, it's a good time there. And, and you are reading these days. Yes, I, I am about a third of the way through it. Um, okay. Yeah. So. And, you're, and you are considering yourself now capable of reading? Depends on the day. <laughs> So yeah, um, Zach is our favorite illiterate lawyer. Yeah, but right. as always, thank you all for uh, tuning on in. Send us those questions. We'd love to hear them. Um, we'd love to get to them, talk talk them. Um, until next time, Rafe. Have a buff nagel night. Thanks, guys. Sounds good.